name is Michael Sims, or the nefarious Mike A. Sims, if you rather, and this is Why Did I Like It? Now, for those of you that are new to this podcast, it was actually a video version, or it was a podcast for one glorious episode on Spotify, no, on SoundCloud, that I did not release to anyone. I don't even know what the original audio is, but safe to say that one person liked it a lot. That's my producer, Brian Peoples of Peoples Media, named the company after himself like the egomaniac he is. Anyway, so what I did with that episode, or what the show is in general, was I took a look at something that I liked when I was about maybe seven or eight, and put it through the lens of the current Mike A. Sims, as it were, to see whether it held up, or even answer the question of why did I like it. Now, the first episode detailed the Power Rangers, which I believe at the end of the episode, it held up really well, and I absolutely loved it. Now, the following episodes that I did on YouTube, and had a visual component, were a little bit flashier, had a lot of um, post-production effects, and it was in the vein of all those YouTube shows where somebody stands in front of the camera, usually a nerd who looks somewhat decent now, and explains something from nerd culture that they were a fan of. I kind of veered away from the adolescent aspect of it. Uh, in the early goings, I did Cyclops, which ended up being a character piece on why Cyclops from the X-Men was a fantastic character that was criminally underutilized. <sighs> Settle down, Mike. And that was like 22 minutes long, which is an odyssey for anybody who's trying to consume content, especially in this day and age. The second episode, I want to say, was about CM Punk. I believe I believe he had just returned, which also fell outside of the realm of me making episodes based around my adolescence or youth or childhood or whatever. I want to say childhood. It's childhood. It's clearly childhood. Uh, the third episode details around the end of Brooklyn Nine-Nine <laughs> going all the way the other way. And not adhering to any structure, because that's something that I like now. Again, the show was still being figured out. And that's the worst episode, because I barely did anything. I sat in a chair the whole time. The other ones, I was standing and did a whole green screen background. None of this is relevant to anything, but they are on YouTube. My YouTube is Mike A. Sims X Mike Versus. That's M-I-C-V-E-R-S-Y-S, Mike Versus. That's also my musician name, where I write raps because I can't sing. But yeah, if you look on that YouTube page, you can find the Why Did I Like It playlist, and you can watch all of those. Uh, the fourth one was Why Did I Like Kiss from a Rose by Seal, which was my personal favorite, as it detailed me watching back the music video for Kiss from a Rose by Seal, which was released on the Batman Forever soundtrack, and finding out in real time that it was called the love theme from Batman, which was a fantastic name for any title track ever. I don't know. Again, like I said then, why Batman would need a love theme. But that episode was actually very funny, if I do say so myself. And I will say so myself, because myself was involved in it. Needless to say, I did those four episodes, five if you count the Power Rangers one that was on SoundCloud, which is just... I love how SoundCloud has become this kind of joke. Not the app itself, and not the company, shout out to SoundCloud, but the people that use it. I mean, the fact that there were SoundCloud rappers that are just terrible, uh, yours truly uh, not included because my raps are dope, that would actively try to make you listen to them. Or I remember back when SoundCloud really first kicked up a notch, it was when DJs were using it to put their like hour-long mixes on it before they started flagging them for copyright infringement. And your average DJ would send you these long EDM mixes. And oh my, I can see a dude giving me his information for SoundCloud as my mind just melted away into the ether 
Anyway, so the point is, uh, um, those episodes were basically um, the origins of it and kind of got away from the idea. So now, alongside People's Media, second name drop of the company that I'm in league with, we have decided to collaborate on this fine revamp of the show, where I take it back to its roots. Can a show with only five episodes have roots? Yes, it can. So going back to what the original idea is, I'm going to take a look from this modern lens of my 36 years on this mortal coil, this giant floating rock in space, and see if something that I liked when I was a kid, typically, I want to stick to 10 and under, but there are some aspects of you know my childhood that might veer more towards 12 and under. It just has to be something where I unequivocally do not fully remember why I liked it, so I can look at it and see why. So that it for the most part, excludes uh, wrestling because it's it's maintained its relevance to me. I, you know, I've loved wrestling my entire life, pro wrestling, not like, well, I like grappling wrestling also, actually. Surprisingly. Surprisingly, because I never actually say it out loud. Is this another real-time relevation? Relevation. Revelation? Mike, stick to the topic at hand, please. But yeah, so I try to stick to topics and ideas that were something that I liked when I was younger, and um, I can look back and see. And that's the third time that I've now told you the exact Point of this podcast. So we're going to hop into what today's episode's about. This is about a show that I used to watch called Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Now, I've touched on this before in my other various creations, because I also do skits, typically on my Instagram page, but you can also find a lot of, actually you find all of them on my YouTube page. My Instagram is at Mike A. Sims, that's at M-I-K-E-A as an apple, S. I am as in Mary, M as in Mary S. And I'm spelling it like that because I can't tell you how many times I've been on the phone with some sort of organization or company or human being and had another blood-filled meat puppet say to me, is that Michael Sins? Have you ever, and I'm sure there's somebody out there named, you know, Kevin Sins, but (laughs) have you ever heard the last name Sins? Why would my last name be Sins? as if I'm creating some sort of affront against Lord and Savior. Michael Sins? Sins? No. And I know Sin Sage exists, but I'm not an adult film star somehow. Anyway, if you look at Mike A. Sims, you can see all of my glorious skits and things of that nature, which used to go by a name Mike is doing stuff, but now I just do skits and just call it a day. But anyway, on there, I usually make references to how the 90s was obsessed with karate and kung fu because it's true. We had, you know... Power Rangers, Three Ninjas, Beverly Hills Ninja, WMAC Masters, which was an actual karate tournament show that was not real, but it had real karate, I guess, experts in it. And they would be different characters like Ying Yang Man. Imagine if Street Fighter came to life and was mixed with Mortal Kombat and was poorly acted with really bad CGI sometimes. But I love that show. It wasn't on for that long. And I think Brenda Lee, the daughter of Bruce Lee, was the host for like one season. Point is, we loved karate in the 90s. And because of that, it extended to these, like, there's really no way to explain it other than these shows that would take footage of Japanese kung fu or karate or martial arts shows and splice them with American actors, young American actors, usually. I, I was I almost said untal- <laughs> untalented, but not all of them were untalented because um, Zach from Power Rangers was phenomenal. It's just, I mean, come on. Basically, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad was born out of this love of martial arts and also using the footage. The footage that a lot of these shows 
would use was known as Super Sentai. Okay, what is Super Sentai? Super Sentai is a form of television show in Japan and Asia primarily where there are people who get suits and they transform into heroes and they use giant robots to battle giant monsters. If that sounds like Power Rangers, that's because Power Rangers, all of their early footage was from a Super Sentai series. Can't remember the name of the series. You can look it up. Oh, yeah, that's also something I do on the show is I do very limited amounts of research, if any at all, because I need to keep the experience pure and unadulterated and uncut, that raw. So when I pack it up, I can move this way. Okay, Mike, Mike, this is not the drug trade. But I have to keep it pure so I can look at it through the eyes of somebody who hasn't seen it in a while. I don't want to give myself too much information about what it is that I'm going to interact with and, you know, answer the question of why did I like it. Anyway, the Super Sentai series featured, like I said, those people who would, you know, transform whatever. An American businessman who owned the company Saban decided to use some of this footage and splice it with American actors, young American actors, thus Power Rangers was born. Once Power Rangers took off, Power Rangers, by the way, employs actors in a non-union capacity. And as somebody who's in the acting union and used to work non-union, those people are basically doing what amounts to free labor because you get paid absolutely nothing to put yourself in these crazy situations, grueling schedules. So some of the shows, you know, a lot of like a lot of the shows that followed Power Rangers had mixed success. You know, there was Common Rider, which was the name of the show in Japan or or in Asia. So I don't know if it was Japan or China, but I believe it's Japan. Common Rider, which is actually still well, was a popular series for a time. Over here in America, they renamed it Masked Rider. And they spliced in the footage from Common Writer with this, you know, basically amounted to American, an American sitcom where the, the main character ended up being an alien from another planet. And he came here and the family that he was adopted by had a black son. And if you're wondering why that's relevant, it's just hilarious to me that for whatever reason, like to show how quirky and open this family was, they had a black son. Very progressive, very progressive, very cool. There wasn't a lot of action in Master Writer, but... It was wacky enough that you kind of was like, I mean, if you cared for sitcoms back in the 90s, it was whatever. Then you had VR Troopers, which, you know, I just remember them being three people and they did something. VR Troopers wasn't really my favorite because the suits were very clunky. Then you had, um, I don't think Beetleborgs was Super Sentai, but I don't remember. Beetleborgs was actually my favorite out of all of them. I love Beetleborgs even more than Power Rangers because it was three of them also, three main characters, two guys and a girl, black, white, white. <laughs> just funny how they find that they go to like this haunted mansion house where like Frankenstein and the Wolfman and stuff lived. It was, it was very weird. It was very, very, very strange, but I love Beetleborgs. But anyway, there were all of these and amongst these came superhuman samurai cyber squad. Now I genuinely loved this show. I think because after school, my brother and my sister and I would usually be babysat by some random member of the family and it was a battle for television because if you ever go to another family member's house who's over the age of 50 back in the 90s, they were always watching either news or something incredibly boring. Like, it just was like they were not catering to kids, especially in a Caribbean household or Caribbean family. They are not catering to the children or the adults. It's just not happening. So I would have to search for an open TV in this random house. I think one time I ended up watching it in my Uncle Godfrey's room and he was unfortunately confined to a wheelchair. He passed a few years ago. But the dedication to watching Superhuman Samurai was so strong that I would, you know, find any way to watch it. I don't remember it being on for that long. But 
I do remember going out of my way to watch it. Now, I was going to try and purchase the episodes because I believe in an honor system. I'm also an actor. So I believe that we should pay these people or pay these industries that make a paltry billion dollars a year, every penny we earn off of our minimum wage jobs in order to ensure that they can continue on for the foreseeable future. So I was going to try and purchase the episodes of a mid-90s spliced together martial arts show, but then YouTube exists. So there's that. I don't know if this is, you know, going to be flagged or whatever by me saying that. That sounds like a problem for my producer. You enjoy that, Brian. Anyway, so I found the first episode of this series. I'm going to try and put it on mute because I don't know if the, I don't think we can have the audio on here. I mean, for all I know, this show is probably in public domain. I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard anybody talk about It's amazing when you go through these kind of things, you know, even just like just putting into YouTube or Google or whatever, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, and then like seeing random things because then you're like, oh, there's still an audience for it. And then you realize, no, it's just another person who's thinking about some obscure show from the 90s. If they released an updated version of this, very few people would care. And it's it's a rough pill to swallow when you realize that a lot of your, your joys come from niche things that were not that big of a deal outside of your mind or your sphere of influence. But to me, to me, <laughs> to me, <laughs> If there was a reboot of the, you know, I'm just being selfish now. If there was a reboot of this, I would enjoy it, which is such an American way to think. It's like, if this thing that costs a whole lot of time and money to make is created, I personally, one person will enjoy it. Will you contribute to it? No, 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 no. I don't mean about the creation of it. Will you, you know, purchase any, you know, merchandise? No, no, God, no. I'm not buying merchandise from this show. So then what, what will you do? I just told you what I will do. I will watch it. Sometimes. I have a very busy life. And it's an old show. This is exactly how this thing would go. And then when they're canceled, everyone's like, what? They canceled the Superhuman Samurai reboot? It's kind of like when I know I'm going, rant time. Brian, put a bell in here. It's kind of like when I was watching the Saved by the Bell reboot. I genuinely thoroughly enjoyed the Saved by the Bell reboot. But every single time I'd watch an episode, I'd say this is not going to last. Because it was hilarious, but it was a, a vast departure from the original. So if there are any stragglers left who wanted to have that nostalgia of Saved by the Bell, they were going to be like, why is Kelly being so weird? Why is Zach just as bizarre? Why is his son levitating? Why are there so many references to wrestling? Like, why is there an evil alternate universe of Saved by the Bell characters? It was hilarious, but it wasn't going to last. And same thing with the Mad About You reboot, which I didn't even watch. I just was like, there's nothing, there's nowhere to go with these stories at all. So why would you reboot them? And it's kind of like, oh, it's good that those actors are getting a paycheck again and maybe another moment in the spotlight, Will and Grace reboot, all that kind of stuff too. But you kind of just wait, Fuller House as well, you kind of just wait for them to get canceled again so that way they can kind of go back away because it seems like they're on borrow time. Like, I almost feel bad for like reboots. It's like, oh, we're bringing the show back from the 90s that you used to like. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not as nostalgic for the 90s as you think, because even though I'm doing this podcast, which makes me a hypocrite with that entire statement, I don't think that the storytelling of the 90s, as far as the, you know, the medium of television is concerned, was really that solid. There's a reason why they call the golden age of television the current age and not anything from the 90s. Anything that did show nuance and gravitas was typically canceled. My so-called life, you know, whatever. Anything that was just broad and wacky was just literally a dominator of, of the airwaves. Family Matters, Full House, Married with Children. 
You can put nuance in the 90s. It just didn't exist. As much as they want to pretend like, oh, it was all grunge and angsty and people were all mad. To a degree, yeah, kind of, I guess, in the music with Alanis Morissette and Nirvana. But you also had, you know, J.J. Fad and you also had Tiffany Gibson. No, Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. It was the 90s and 80s. Point is, you still had pop. You had, you know, all those one-hit wonders in the 90s as well. So although there was alternative, it was, it was not as dour as people made it seem. I would even argue that the 2000s with their bubblegum pop at least mid to late 2000s, was more, I guess, angsty because they had emo was very big and pop punk and the scene was very big. So, I mean, rebooting certain shows and from a certain time period may sound cool on paper, but unless there's a way to, like, you know, pay service to it while also broadening the scope of the show and updating it, which is very difficult, just leave well enough alone. So I don't want a superhuman samurai cyber squad reboot, even though nobody asked me and it's not even on the cards. Just in case you bastards were considering it, no. Anyway, having said that, let's get into this episode of Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. I'm gonna mute my TV and put on the closed caption symbols. <laughs> symbols. I call it words symbols. Well, they are. Huh. Look at me. I hope you guys are learning a lot from this podcast because I am. Okay. I wish we could hear the song because the theme song is very cool. It's like super humid. Oh, first shot is of the main bad guy. Where are my glasses? The fr- Okay, there's a lot happening. Matthew Lawrence is in this show, by the way. Brother of Joey Lawrence from Blossom fame. Joey Lawrence, who, uh, when I was older, and he got old. I don't remember them having a, like a thing to put together. They have like a, a Megazord-type machine that got together. I don't remember that. Also, cyber is spelled S-Y-B-E-R, not C-I-B-E-R, showing how cool in 90s we are. The the font is also that weird green, like, computery font from the 90s. I have to look up where these, where these actors are because I have no idea. Wow, this is just an onslaught of people. Wait, there's a teacher's lounge? Uh, so, Joey Lawrence, who I remember when I was younger, fixed up his face to say on an actual TV show that his name was now Joseph Lawrence professionally because everyone calls him Joseph, which is the most pretentious thing I've ever heard in my life and has stuck with me all these years. And when he did Melissa and Joey with, with Melissa Joan Hart, he was back to being Joey Lawrence. All right, Choice Latin, Kevin Castro, Ro, Robin Mary Florence, John Wesley, Jamie Beck, I don't know. There's, so the, hold on, let me go back, let me go back a little bit because that was very fast. Okay. I'm trying to read out the cast. For the time, honestly, the CGI would have been fantastic. Let's see who else. Glenn Budin, Troy Slatton, Kevin Castro, Robin Mary Florence. Those are the teenagers. And then very quickly, they show like the teachers and they just dump all the names next to each teacher. I can't even look. And Tim Curry has the voice of Kilo Khan. Oh, okay, Tim Curry. <laughs> Why right here? This is one of the smartest. We're gonna... Oh, the name of the episode is To Protect and Servo. So I don't know what you want to do with that information. It's written by Jim Magan and Mark something. It starts with, of course, Serial on the drum set and the drummer, who I guess is a buffoon, just drummed and somehow got a cheer on the tip of his drumstick. Matthew, okay. So by the way, the characters in the show are in a band. Uh, I guess Matthew Lawrence, who's holding a guitar, is like the lead. The girl... Um, I don't want to call her the girl. I need to learn these characters' names because I will just call her the girl this entire episode. She's trying to fix computer and she breaks one of the buttons. Also looking extremely 90s, she has one of those hats that flop down and then like you pin a flower to the front to flop it up. 
quite like how Blossom used to wear. Blossom was a 90s TV show about a girl named Blossom who lived with her dad, and I think the mom was dead. I think that's the whole premise of the show. Anyway, so Matthew Lawrence with his very 90s hair, which means it's like longish and very dark eyebrows. Matthew Lawrence, who was the most handsome of the Lawrence brothers. There's a younger one too, but I don't remember his name. Was also in Boy Meets World as I think Jack, and he was awesome. Then he was in the Girl Meets World reboot, and he was awesome in that too. Maybe I just love Matthew Lawrence. I don't know. The drummer looks like he's in his 30s. He has greased black hair and a torn flannel shirt, like the sleeves are torn off. Okay, and I guess this other character is also a buffoon because he's pouring orange juice into a boot. Is he? Is this character black? Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on, is this guy black? Sorry, this is blowing my mind because there was always a black character in these shows back in the day. And I don't remember there being one in this show. But he has like a half row. He might just be light-skinned. This is blowing my mind. Anyway, they, they told, he told him not to touch his boot with orange juice in it for some reason. Why were these shows always, like, they would always have these weird kind of like, maybe the Super Saiyan, like Power Rangers, VR Troopers. They would have this like shoehorned like humor in it that was very cringe and cheesy. And this whole scene seems to be, let me turn the subtitles on because I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> and it's just, these teenagers seem to be, okay, there we go. Now we got subtitles, baby. So they're, they're discussing something, and now we cut to the school. Hope that helps you. I do remember the teacher, the principal, being very hands-on with Matthew Lawrence and his cohorts for some reason. Like, I remember him yelling at them. Like, I remember one episode where he, he was brainwashed into thinking he was young again and he was a hippie. This is a weird show. Also, everything in the show is bulky. Everything. That's why I got back problems now, because... It would have been impossible to, like, just stand up straight. Like, these girls, these two girls are talking to some woman right now. I think she's the lunch lady because she's wearing a hairnet and she's, she's, okay. I don't want to say anything disparaging about this actress. She looks older, but not old. And she looks full-figured. Man, this, uh, this new climate of navigating cancel culture is, is, uh, scary. And I never really was one to speak out of line anyway. But I just want to make sure I don't offend anyone. I also don't know who these three characters are. Like, there's two girls who weren't in the first scene, and it's lunch lady, and they're discussing... Uh, oh, it's the school store! It's not the lunch lady, it's the school store! But why is she wearing an apron? You know what? Anyway, in the 90s, everything was bulky. Then that random scene is done, where they were asking about an ink pen. Oh, you know what? I think that was the girl Matthew Lawrence has a crush on. Okay, the main villain was Kilo Khan, I guess, voiced by Tim Curry, who would battle against them. But he existed only in cyberspace. Malcolm was the human uh, XP or the human outsider who would interact with Kilo Khan and try to help his schemes. Malcolm wore all black and had black slick back hair. So he always reminded me of Malcolm from Jurassic Park because Ian Malcolm wore all black also. This, this little tidbit was so cool to me for literally no reason. I never even said this to anybody till just now, that Malcolm, the helper of the villain from Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, was also an all-black-wearing Malcolm, like Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, my favorite character. This has nothing to do with anything, but also is extremely interesting. Anyway, he's sitting there at the table drawing this girl across the way that he likes. Now... Mind you, Malcolm is like a computer genius. 
But when they show this character, he's usually in like a small closet somewhere hidden away, like helping Kilo Khan do whatever scheme he has. So he's, of course, because he's in computers and he's in the corner and he's drawing this girl that he likes beautifully, might I add. You know, since this is a 90s show, he is the weirdest, biggest freak in the world. I paused it just now just because I want to see if that's the case. But I know they're going to rag on this character like he is this like this serial killer, like he's Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, let's go back to this real quick because I want to see where this is going. So Malcolm basically made a joke about how the football team bully guys and try to break their fingers because football players were ruthless in the 80s and 90s. He gave her the picture and she just said, oh, great, and walked away. Oh, my goodness. See how cruel? How cruel. That's why I never had a girlfriend in high school. So senior year, and that didn't even really count. Okay, so we're back at the school store with, she's the lunch lady. She's wearing an apron. She just handed a toothpick to the buffoon of a drummer from the band of Matthew Lawrence. Matthew Lawrence and the drummer. By the way, the drummer is uh, carrying his drumstick in his back pocket. Oh, we have Malcolm talking to Matthew Lawrence. Oh, they're discussing the fact that Malcolm just gave the girl he likes the picture that he drew of her. And the drummer immediately tries to fight Malcolm for making a joke about the drummer being dumb, which he is. And, okay. So Matthew Lawrence sees, I guess he also likes this girl. He had a picture of a girl on his guitar. And I think, oh, it's it's the girl from earlier who was talking to the lunch lady who I was confused about. I need to learn these characters' names because I'm sorry. I know if you're listening to this, you're probably like, who is he talking about now? Matthew Lawrence is now discussing doing homework with the girl who was speaking to the lunch lady that I was confused about prior. They're not even saying anyone's names, though. I'm sitting here and I'm like trying to, to figure out, oh, wait a minute. Is this the case? Is that the case? No, they haven't said he was. They said Malcolm's name. Did they say Matthew Lawrence's name? They just did some math problem and he threw it away immediately. And now, oh, Sam. Matthew Lawrence's name is Sam. There we go. Sam is Matthew Lawrence. He's the lead guy. Matthew Lawrence is Sam. This lunch lady is very invested in these kids. Okay, so Matthew Lawrence just had the girl write down some kind of numerical problem. And, uh, oh, it makes more sense now. Malcolm also liked the girl that Matthew Lawrence liked. Who was the girl talking in the first part of the scene? I never realized that. This is also a lot of like, just, there's no action. They haven't even touched the computer. Like, there's nobody. No, that's a lie. They touched the computer the first scene for about all of three seconds. So if I'm a kid in the 90s, okay, let me see. This, I don't know what year this is right now. Maybe 96, maybe 95. I'm probably about nine or 10, maybe eight. The point is, like, girls aren't really prevalent in my mind. But these guys look cool. And one of them just sat backwards because it's a 90s show. The drummer, of course. Oh, okay. So Malcolm is now saying that he's going to... Sam somehow got the girl they both like. Malcolm and... Malcolm and... Matthew Lawrence is Sam. (laughs) Matthew Lawrence and Malcolm just got into a slight disagreement or argument because they both like this girl. The girl who was talking to the lunch lady at the school store. Matthew Lawrence did some kind of weird, like... Thing where he was able to get the girl's number. And so Malcolm, as Matthew Lawrence is running off with his drummer friend to like call the girl later after school, is like, you won't call her if I can help it. Malcolm now cuts to another scene where he's in his bank basement or side. It's like a side closet. It's a side closet. And now he's saying, you know, 
Most conflicts, hold on, it's rant time. Most conflicts, seriously, seem like they revolve around the opposite sex. Like, it just, it seems like no matter, it's a tale as old as time, yes, but still, it does not change it. There's always some beef. When I hear that two people are no longer friends, the first question I ask is, so who was it over? And they're like, no, it wasn't just over somebody else. It's, and I'm like, okay, but it's always inevitably over someone else. Every single, they didn't like my boyfriend. They kept talking about my girlfriend. They did it. So Malcolm, I mean, B2K broke up over a girl. The Beatles broke up over a girl. 3LW broke up over chicken wings. Uh, but anyway, the point is, it's a tale as old as time, as I said before. So Malcolm drawing a girl a picture. It was a very nice picture. It was a very nice gesture. But unfortunately, Malcolm is in the 90s where being smart and talented means you are the biggest loser in the world. Trust me, I know this from experience. But having nice hair and a decent smile and being in something that is not really going to go far, like a band, (laughs) no offense, I was in a band also, means that, you know, the girl's like, oh, yeah, I really like you, Matthew Lawrence, a.k.a. Sam. So Malcolm decides to go to his, it's a closet, it's a closet. And he's making a, a monster. He's literally making a monster on his computer using like pick art. And now it has rudimentary PlayStation 1 graphics to animate this thing. Also, that's like Flash Player. Oh, lightning in the clouds by the power lines. Is this monster supposed to take down the power lines so Matthew Lawrence can't call this girl? It, yeah, it is a closet. They showed a, oh, Tim Curry's here. Tim Curry of Home Alone 2 fame and Rocky Horror Picture Show. And the Adams Family reboot that I didn't like from the 2000s. I love Tim Curry. The way he talks like this. It's very hilarious. <laughs> he was also in The Shadow with uh, Alec Baldwin as the main villain. There's this one scene where he, he has a Tommy gun and he's trying to kill Alec Baldwin, who's the superhero. Tim Curry is spitting in circles, shooting the Tommy gun, laughing hysterically and maniacally. It's amazing. He's like, <laughs> he starts spitting. <laughs> And as he's done, the shadow's still alive, obviously. He just kind of drops the gun and I think he gets knocked out. But Tim Curry is fantastic. And he's here as the voice of the villain, Kilo Khan, who's in the computer. And he's saying to Malcolm, like, hey, why just try to mess with the power lines? Why not make a virus that can come to life and destroy the grid? And it's, you know, it's there's this entire world hidden inside the computers. He releases a megavirus monster inside of this digital world. It's an actual world inside the computer network. It can destroy uh, Sam's phone call, <laughs> like as well as give Kilo Khan, who I guess is some sort of warlord in cyberspace, control over cyberspace. So Malcolm and Kilo Khan have their motivations. Kilo Khan wants to take over cyberspace, and eventually the real world, it sounds like. And Malcolm wants to not have... Uh, Matthew Lawrence holla at his girl. Oh, Kilo Khan just shot a little ray from his computer screen, because he's in a computer screen, obviously, to the monster's computer screen, which is next to it. Malcolm, shout out to Malcolm for dual screening it back in the 90s. That must have been, the hardware for that must have been crazy to do two screens. Okay, so Kilo Khan just shot a little laser to Malcolm's second screen, where the monster that Malcolm made on pick art was, or, you know, Adobe, like rudimentary Adobe Illustrator. And the monster traveled through the power lines as like this sparkling white sparkle and shot to the power plant in the, I guess it's the local power plant 
and has now come alive inside the power grid. And the monster is now destroying this power grid on the inside where all the phone lines are connected, I guess. Oh, oh my goodness. And the phone just shocked the lunch lady, bringing her into the story. And now it's just a bunch of images of, uh, let's let's see, Jennifer is the woman's name. Jennifer is the girl's name that Malcolm and Matthew Lawrence have a crush on. I'm learning everybody's names today. So <laughs> this is... This is hilarious. I've live recap shows before. Also, when I just watch TV, this is what I do. I just pause and start giving people information they did not ask for or know that they needed. Anyway, I will say, as I'm watching this, yes, the special effects in this current era don't hold up, but I'm putting myself in the mindset of Mike Sims from back in the day. I wish I knew what year this was out. I absolutely see why I love this. Forget like why I love this. Like It's just, it's amazing. We'll say it's hilarious, though, that Malcolm's plan, it just shows how sometimes there's a disparity between what the villain wants and what, like, a secondary villain wants. Because Kilo Khan, who is Tim Curry in a computer, who's stuck in cyberspace because that's where he exists, is like, I will get the viruses out there. They will destroy cyberspace and then eventually the world. And Malcolm's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But also, uh, Matthew Lawrence can't call the girl that I like, Jennifer, right? And Kilo Khan's like, yeah, but I mean, I'm going to destroy like all of this. It's all going to be gone. And Malcolm's like, that's cool. Awesome. Happy for you. But listen, can Matthew Lawrence call Jennifer? Kilo Khan's like, no, I guess not. He's like, yes. All right, do whatever you want. Kilo Khan... Again, since Malcolm's using two computer screens to do all this, Kilokan is on the left screen. The monster that Malcolm made is on the right screen. Kilokan brings the monster to life, sends it down to a grid, like the local power plant, and the monster starts wrecking the grid. So then the phone shocks the lunch lady, who Jennifer bought an ink pen from. Jennifer is the girl that Matthew Lawrence likes. I hope I'm tying this all together for you because this is phenomenal. Anyway, there's just so much going on. But also so much nothing. Like it just it's just a lot. Now we're back in Matthew Lawrence's, I guess it's his garage with his bandmates, and they're just kinda about to get down to business. Let's see what happens. Let's go back to this. Oh, mom, relax. You're okay. So hold on, hold on. Okay, so now this is actually great. So Matthew Lawrence is freaking out because the phone number he just got today over the girl, Jennifer, is in his hand and he needs to call her after school. But his mom, and this is actual footage because I have the caps on. His bandmate is like, relax, Sam. Your mom will be done on the phone soon. Sam says, no, she won't. She's on the phone with her sister from Australia. I'm sorry, what? Hold on, what? Not in Australia, from Australia. How does your mother have a sister from Australia? Not saying that it's not possible because my father has a brother from England, but this is the 90s and this is like a very deep thing. Why not just say her sister in general? Why Australia? I know they have to say it so it's going to be like a long time on the call and long distance uh, billing back in the 90s. We had to call long distance to pay extra for it back in the day. It's not like now you can call anybody anywhere on cell phone or FaceTime and it's not charged extra. Like back in the 90s, if you were doing a long-distance call, it was like, uh, it, was, it was a big deal because you had to buy a phone card, you had to pay extra. So I get that, but like, <laughs> this unnecessary stakes, like, oh, she's called her sister to Australia. Like, is this girl, Jennifer, waiting by the phone, like, if Sam doesn't call me right now, it's over? And is the sister in Australia saying anything of pertinent value? Like, well, this is a very strange time. Like, as soon as your kids are home from school, you decide to call your sister. Don't bother me. I'm on the phone with my sister from Australia. She's telling me what it's like to be down under. That's where the sky is backwards. I don't know. The point is, it just, it seems like a very strange, like, set of stakes to just introduce in the middle of the episode, like Sam has to get on this phone call or he's going to be 
screwed. If this girl is literally banking everything on the fact that he has to call her after they just, they'll see each other tomorrow in school. Like, what? call her later. What do you, like, okay, by the way, also, you're like, why doesn't he use another phone? There's only one phone in the house. Typically, in any home, there was usually one phone. There was one phone line, but like multiple phones. So if I picked up, and they were all landlines, which means that they were connected to a cord, connected to a wall. So if you picked up the phone, I don't know why I'm assuming anybody is listening to this that's under the age of like 25. But anyway, if you are, you pick up the phone, <laughs> you can sometimes eavesdrop on other people's conversations. This has nothing to do with anything. I'm just saying something sideways. Anyway, so let's get back to this because Sam is literally freaking out. His friends are doing a poor job of calming him down because it's the 90s. Mommy, you have the phone yet? No. Huh. Wait a minute. So Sam also has a little sister known as Elizabeth, I guess, who we didn't see. But I guess now Elizabeth's on the phone because Sam said, are you done yet? And Elizabeth threw down strawberry swirl ice cream at him and saying the teacher said she could share. That's a very weird thing. We didn't even see the, the sister. That was It was literally like him yelling through like a box on the floor. Oh, and Sam just played a power cord and went into the computer, into cyberspace, as his friends stand around bewildered. This is one of those like CGI 3D. This looks like a... um like a Windows save screen or like when you like when you leave your PlayStation 2 idle or the three that would have like that world thing. I think it was three. I don't know. So Sam went through cyberspace and came back out. So Sam was trying to figure out where he went and the girl's like, you disappeared. She strapped something onto his arm. I guess that's what made him transport, but I don't, I don't, I didn't even see when he got that thing. So Sam has this big device. It's like an oversized watch. That's like, I don't know. It's very blocky. And it's clearly like one of those, it looks like a 1990s like alien toy thing. Anyway, so his sister's now off the phone. I didn't know, I didn't even see him get that watch thing. It's gonna drive me crazy now. I might have to go to Google for this. So Sam is now about to finally call Jennifer because his sister's off the phone and his mother's off the phone with her sister from Australia. So Sam's sister, Elizabeth, and Sam's mom stop using the phone. We cut to this scene now where this virus is in cyberspace. He's just wrecking all these different chips. <gasps> The phone went out. Sam finally gets the phone to call Jennifer, who's waiting by the phone, ready to break up with him in his non-existent relationship with her. And the phone dies because this monster just happens to knock over the transistor or whatever it is in the phone. Like, and look, the virus is shooting. I'm saying look to you like it's, not, like it's not a podcast. And as you see, the monster has now shot big things at uh, this other transistor. Basically, the monster is doing what it's supposed to do, what it says on the tin. The monster is destroying the phone uh, towers. Oh, but Sam got through. Uh, hi, Jennifer. I was just thinking on the, hello? Whoa, Jennifer? Hello? So it shocked him, but he stayed on the phone. And now the monster is destroying it with hot lava for some reason? Oh. And now the monster has destroyed the phone section of cyberspace. Because everyone knows that computers are connected directly to phones. Maybe this maybe this show saw the future. Oh! News report. Okay, so Sam turned on the news. And I love this in the 90s where like, or in TV in general, where one character is trying to explain something. As soon as the television goes off. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. I love when one character inexplicably turns on the TV and the news report is exactly what they want to explain at that moment. Like Sam just now turns it on, click, it comes on. There's been phone outages all over the tri-state area. No one knows why. Officials are working desperately to solve the dilemma actual verbiage. What I laughed at, though, was the fact that since this is a Super Sentai series, which was, you know, imported footage from Asia that was spliced with this whole, you know, school thing and Sam and his band, the footage that they showed 
was from the Super Sentai series. So you see these Asian actresses reacting to the sparks coming out of the phone lines. So clearly, instead of just shooting like American actors reacting to it, they're like, I'll just put the ones in there. That's fine. There's Asian people in America too. It doesn't, it's no big deal. Who cares? It's for kids. They're not going to notice. Because a lot of the Super Sentai stuff was shot in the 80s and 70s. It just looked very different from the, even this 90s, you know, special effect, you know, extravaganza looks completely different than, you know, what we just saw, which looks like it was like late 80s. So the footage is very grainy. So it kind of works in a silly way. Like, I guess there's just a lot of Asian female, you know, phone operators, but you could just tell that's from the original series. Also, this news reporter is decidedly 90s with her short bob and her very high shoulder pads. And behind her is just the word news, 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 news repeated over. Not, Not what channel is, not what network, not daytime or evening. It's just news. It's just news you need to know. All right, let's get back to this. Let's see. I also wish I knew where Sam got this big, like, gauntlet thing on his wrist. I didn't even see that happen. And I thought I had problems because the girl that he likes can't get through because all telephones are down. Servo program pops up, which is the suit that's the main superhuman samurai suit, which is Sam's suit. Um, He's seeing it now for the first time being made in the computer. And he's like, whoa, cool, battle armor. He's not wondering why this computer is just making this random suit. And he gets sucked back into the computer. Maybe the girl gave him that gauntlet thing, watch thing. It's driving me nuts that I didn't see that scene. So now Sam is in the computer and he's now, okay. For those of you who wonder what Super Sentai series it is, I believe this is the Ultraman Super Sentai series. So if you've ever seen Ultraman, they're using the Ultraman footage. So he has like, you know, gray and red armor. There's like a a small fin on his head. So Sam turns into Ultraman, essentially. He's in the cyberspace now and he's now fighting the virus. Inside of the telephone lines, the virus looks like like a knockoff of Godzilla, honestly. It has like, you know, horns and a tail and it's spitting out fireballs. And it's just, it's so wonderfully cheesy. I, I, of course, I love this. I love this now. And I'm 36. It may sound like I'm, oh, sorry. The landlines and the phones all over the houses are shocking or sparking up because this virus is beating up Sam inside the, the computer program. Again, remember, this is positing that Oh, wait, now it's saying that Servo is being injured by getting beaten up by this robot inside the computer face. This is positing the notion that, hold on, side note, Malcolm is, is upset that uh, Kilo Khan has lied to him and decided to, as he's saying, improvise and ruin more than just Sam's phone. He's destroying all the phones in the digital. He's the rule of the digital world, and he needs no permission to do what he wants. And Malcolm's upset, like, wait, it's supposed to be the one. Yeah, so it's uh, your your typical robotic warrior fights a monster thing in in miniatures, which are like smaller buildings. But these are not buildings. So these are supposed to be like circuit boards and like chips and like the inside of a computer. Because, like I said, somehow computers completely. I mean, they they directly impact phone lines back in the day. So you can go through a and it's not like a laptop or a MacBook. This is a full on computer box computer. So now Kilokan and Malcolm are confused, even though Kilokan just said, sit back and enjoy the show. Oh, Kilokan can't see the other screen. So he didn't know, even though he rules digital space, that his monster is now getting beaten up by Sam, who is in warrior form. Or Ultra. Let's call him Ultraman, because that's who he is. So Malcolm is now talking junk to Kilokan, because Kilokan's like, hold on, why is the monster getting beaten up? And Malcolm's like, I guess you're not the all-powerful monster you thought you were, a ruler you thought you were. Because in the first episode, the two bad guys are immediately exhibiting that Starscream where, like, you know, Kilokan is basically Megatron and Malcolm is clearly Starscream, so he's just talking junk when his plan fails immediately. 
which is one of the greatest things about Starscream from uh, Transformers. Whenever Megatron would like put a plan together, Starscream would immediately try to undercut the plan from the word go. But that's what just happened. So now Ultraman Sam is like blasting this monster. This is a very long fight scene. And they're like playing some rock song in the background. I don't really know what it is. Oh, but now we have overlay effects, which are when, you know, they're clearly not a part of the scene. But oh, blasting laser and Ultraman deletes the monster. Now, I'm no technician, but I feel like if uh, the wires and the circuit board inside of, you know, any kind of system is just destroyed, you know, by a monster, no less, you can't enter. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. As I was saying that, Sam just, uh, well, Ultraman Sam just releases a ray of light that literally is putting back all the chips in the circuit boards and literally is rebuilding it. It's not like anybody just reversed the, oh, it says main system is now working. Sub one, sub two, sub three are working. And Jennifer's back on the phone. That means that Jennifer stayed on the phone after it cut off and was just sitting there saying, Sam, 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 until Sam went and fought a monster in cyberspace, beat the monster, fixed the phone lines and came back out. And she's like, Sam, Sam, wasn't she the same one who was going to hang up or like, or like dump him if he didn't call her? So we're back to school the next day. Kilocon's been defeated. The girl of the band is now trying to take this, this gauntlet off of Sam's wrist. And she's like, wait, you actually went to the digital world? It's funny how the cyberspace, it's what they call the internet back in the day, cyberspace, digital worlds. Okay, so Jennifer comes to sit down with Sam and the two other bandmates. The guy with the, with the afro, who I thought was the black guy, just never came back. He went upstairs and just disappeared. So now Sam, even though he just spoke to Jennifer apparently all night, is now asking her out on Saturday, which begs the question, what did they talk about on the phone all day yesterday after he beat that virus? What are you even doing? Again, I don't recognize any of the actors besides Matthew Lawrence. And she just said, nice watch to that big gauntlet on his wrist that turned him into Ultraman. And we're out. Okay. So that was the first episode of Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad to protect in Servo. Oh, wait a minute. I keep calling him Ultraman when they just said Project Servo. So I guess Servo is... Because the Super Sentai series that they took the footage from is called Ultraman. But I guess here his name is Servo, I believe. Again, I should do some homework on this at all. It just, again, I got to point out so much stuff about this show. The cool kids are all in the band. And I mean, Matthew Lawrence, thankfully, is not like, he's not like a jerk. And the drummer's just dumb and the girl is just there. So it's not like they're like mean, cool kids. They're just in a band. But the uh, the nerd is the one who like, helps the the main villain unleash a virus. You know what I mean? But let's be real. If this was 2022, the cool kids in the band will be like, unfortunately, on some sort of drugs. And uh, the nerd will have already developed an app and will have dropped out of school and be a multi-billionaire by now. A shout out to Spotify and Facebook and Google and all those good things. College, I mean, not high school. I thought I remembered the voice of Kilo Khan, the, 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 the computer virus villain, as... Keith David for some reason. But I think it's just because I always wanted to be Keith David, who did the voice for Goliath and the Gargoyles and the main bad guy from, you know, Princess and the Frog and everything else. Keith David's awesome. Yeah, so it was uh it was a fantastic show, I'm not gonna lie. This was this was a great show. So let's answer the question: why did I like Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad? Well, watching it back. Never mind the action and the special effects, which at the time would have been amazing. I mean, now they're literally the equivalent of like a PlayStation 1 video game. And that's even being generous because they're even more rudimentary than that. The humor, of course, is cringeworthy and cheesy, but that would have been fantastic in the 90s. The whole cast is very game. Like, 
None of them look like they're going through the motions or like they're kind of embarrassed to be here. They genuinely seem like they're excited about this process. And knowing that they pretty much just had to act in the, I guess, the reality-based scenes and then everything else was just added in post-production, they probably were just a bunch of kids hanging out on the set just, you know, being silly and doing whatever. So, I mean, you can you can definitely see this show going somewhere for a while. I don't think it lasted that long, but, you know, it was, it was, it was very uh, of its time and very cool. Going down the list real quick, uh, let's just take a look at where everybody is now. Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Of course, that's with an S-Y-B-E-R, um, not C-I-B-E-R, which, you know, the rest of the universe spells it as. So it looks like Matthew Lawrence, he's still around. Brotherly Love was the show he was in with his brothers, Joey and Andrew. That was like one season also. I wonder where his brother is. I'll look that up later. Let's see what he's doing now. I know he did the Girl Meets World reboot. Oh, he was on Money Plane, that Edge movie where they were on a, a plane that was like illegal gambling, but it wasn't. It was a terrible movie. Um, so, he, I mean, he's still around. That I already knew. Worst Cooks in America. He was a contestant on that. Fantastic stuff. And also on Hawaii Five-0. He's on everything. He's on everything. Let's see. Tanker, Kevin Castro. <laughs> Can't find anything on him. Robin Mary Florence. Nothing. Troy Slatton is Amp Ear. Oh, Candidate for Los Angeles Superior Court judge. Good for you. Okay, so the guy who I couldn't tell if he was black or not was an attorney and then is now a judge as of 2021. Oh my goodness, that's fantastic. Wow, good for him. Good for him. Still don't know if he's black or white, though. Okay, let's try to find Mary Florence, Rob Mary Florence. This was the young lady who basically, I think she developed the whole computer program that sent Matthew Lawrence into cyberspace. I'm pretty sure. I don't see anything on her at all. Let's go to IMDb. Uh, Frasier. Okay, she hasn't done anything since the 90s. I am not putting in work to find out where this woman is. Because <laughs> she's clearly gone. Had her trivia. Had her baby at home and it was taped for a show. Okay. Uh, I guess that's where she is. She had a baby at home and they taped it for a show. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what that means. I'm not a fool. Uh, Kevin Castro. His name sounds dope. But let's see. This is the guy who played the drummer. I guess it's the same guy. He has a YouTube channel. There's also 40 different versions of him. So let's say to say we can't find him either. Oh, wait a minute. It's saying here that there was... Yes, I do remember later on that they had Lucky London, who was a surfer. I forgot about that. I forgot they brought a surfer in the name Lucky. Okay, that makes sense. The principal wasn't really shown. Everybody else wasn't really shown. Tim Curry is hilarious. Kilo Khan. Okay, let's find Malcolm. Tim Curry, if you don't know where Tim Curry is, then you're a psychopath. And I think only bad things in life should happen to you. So uh, there, I mean it. So as far as the actor who played Malcolm, he was on that 70s show. Okay. Okay, doesn't understand anything else. Needless to say, after having done that deep dive detective work, no one's really doing <laughs> There's nothing to say. I just, I mean, there's really nowhere to go from there. But getting back to finalizing this episode and putting a bow on it, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad is a relic of its time in all of the best ways. Um, there's, of course, a bevy of different you know, YouTube things you can look at to get behind the scenes on this. Probably not as much as Power Rangers, but there's still some people who you know do those niche episodes. So you can look at more. For my taste, though, oh my goodness, 
you kidding me? This is right up childhood Mike's alley. It had, you know, alternate worlds. It has a cool protagonist. I thought, again, I always think the nerds are cool, just like I thought Ross was cool. Like, I always thought the nerds were cool. Didn't know until I was older that they were actually nerds until somebody told me, no, those guys were lame. And now life has come full circle and nerd culture is cool. But um, listen to here, no, actually, that's exactly where this is, right here. So it's, it's you know, it was cool to see that character <laughs> as nefarious as he was trying to, you know, and destroy the telephone communications network just so a guy from school can't call a girl he likes is I mean it's it's brilliant. It's such a brilliant teenage nonsense. Like I'm gonna destroy everything just so one thing isn't, you know, isn't happening. I love Matthew Lawrence. Even with it being on low and it being difficult for me to really hear the episode, he just has that charm. Like all three of, well, two of them, him and his older brother have charm. I keep going over the Lawrence brothers. People are going to watch the episode like, is Mike obsessed with the Lawrence brothers? Yes. Yes, I am. Just the older two. Unfortunately, the other characters in this first episode, we couldn't really do much. Um, they gave more screen time to Jennifer, the girl that Sam likes, Matthew Lawrence likes. Then they did the girl in his own band, which as I just looked up, the name was Team Samurai. Now, I would watch a second episode, but time is already far spent. So why did I like Superhuman Samurai one more time? Because it is everything I would have liked at the time. It's just like Power Rangers. It had cool teenagers. It had a catchy theme song, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Please go listen to it. I don't want to sing it because for copyright reasons, it was phenomenal. You can find the episodes on YouTube for the time being. I don't know if they're going to take them down. I don't think anyone cares to take them down, to be honest with you. But, you know, it's a cool watch as a time capsule for the 90s. To this day, I still see it being a good show. I still, like, after I just watched it, like, that was, that was thoroughly entertaining to me. You know, I could see myself revisiting it just because it's, it's, like I said, it's such a product of his time. You can just feel all the ideas that are just dripping off the 90s brain trust behind this show. And it's great. So I would say definitely check it out. So let's wrap this up the best way we know how. And that's by saying, if you have any questions about Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Mike A. Sims. Feel free to, you know, DM me, all that good stuff. Check out my YouTube, Mike A. Sims X Mike Versus. That's M-I-C-V-E-R-S-Y-S in Versus. And also check out my Twitter, at the Epic Mike V. I'll be posting skits. We can chat there. We can chop it up. Let's talk some nerd stuff. Let's talk some cool stuff. Let's talk some cruel stuff. I have been Mike A. Sims. This has been Why Did I Like It? And I will see you on the flip side of humanity.